Father, this morning we just come to you. The author, the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. The good work you began, your word says, you will finish it. The word work began by and in faith. And faith comes from hearing. And hearing from the word of God. So as we come to the ministry of the word, I pray you give us hearing ears. Touch our ears, Lord. That we hear what you say. Touch our minds that we understand what you say. Our hearts that we believe what we say. Give us feet that are strong to climb that mountain with you. And hands that are clean to serve you. For that's what this life and eternity is all about. To worship you and to serve you now and forevermore, Lord. And it all begins with the word. So speak to us, Lord. and We wait at your feet. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Keep in mind the messages uh, we've been listening to. How to be fruitful. Not to be empty, but to be full. You heard about dry places. And how God uses different situations in our life to draw us Closer and closer to Him. We looked at faith. We looked at different kinds of faith, starting with faith that is dead. It's a very dangerous place to be. And it usually does not happen outside the church. It happens inside the church, especially with children who grow in Christian homes. It's because they have grown in that Christian environment and ethos They think they believe when they don't. That's the danger of it. It's a faith that is dead. When you don't really have it. Okay, so please remember. That's why we are examining our faith. Like I keep saying, we never, the Bible never says examine God's love. It never says examine God's grace. Never talks about it. It says examine our faith. Because we are saved by grace. But through faith, faith is in my side. Grace is on God's side. There's a constant examination of our faith. And we also saw over the weeks there are situations God leads us where we will see we had faith for something, but we did not have faith to believe in another situation. No faith at all. That's what happened to the disciples when the storm hit. They had no faith. And Jesus said, where is your faith? How come you have no faith? Then there is what we call very little faith, alpa vishwasi, little faith, okay, little faith, very little faith, very little faith. We didn't look at it, but there is a situation which is called weak faith, weak faith. Then the cry of, then we saw a couple of Sundays back, Jesus coming to his own hometown, familiarity with the person of God, familiarity with the things of God. God can create something which is called lack of faith, unbelief. Lack. It can happen to anybody. We get so familiar 
for 20 years, the ark had rested in one man's house. And his sons got very familiar with the most holy object in the in God's land. The very ark of the covenant. Because it was in their house. So the day David was bringing the ark to Jerusalem, two of the sons, one was in the front, one was in the back. The same boys, men who had seen this ark in their house for so many years. And scripture says, at Nakon's threshing floor, when the oxen stumbled and the ark slipped, Uzzah put his hand and God struck him dead. Why did he put his hand? Because he got very familiar with sacred things. And that's what happened in Nazareth. Jesus was amazed by their unbelief. He couldn't do anything there. Just a few sicknesses he healed. Because they said, isn't this that carpenter's son? Isn't it that carpenter? Mary's son? And they took offense at him. And they turned violent. And they wanted actually to kill him. And he just walked away. Okay? So please remember, we have to, we have to, when you hear the preaching of the word of God, because scripture says, God looks upon that kind of people who are contrite in their heart, who trembles at his word. Never get familiar with the word of God. Never, ever get familiar with the word of God. Never. Doesn't matter how many million times you hear it, read it, you don't get get familiar with it. And then you know what? Unbelief comes in. So in Luke 17 and verse 5, the portion we looked at the previous Sundays, the apostle said to Jesus, In Lord, increase our faith. And we saw the pattern in which Jesus is going. One of the things he said, be careful about offenses. Offenses will come. We live in a fallen world, a sin-filled world. Offenses will come. But he says, be careful not to carry offense in your heart. Constantly give mercy. Show mercy. Walk in forgiveness. Deal with offense with an iron fist. Uproot it and let it be planted in the bottom of the sea. And you will see incredible kings in the old covenant like Asa. Good kings. But when they got offended with the word of God, they took the man of God who spoke the word to them and they had the power, the authority. Therefore, they put him in prison and then afflicted with a sickness and for three years and died in that sickness, never turning to God. Another man, as he sought the Lord, God showed favor, prospered him, but when he increased, pride came in, he goes into the temple, he tries to offer fire, the priests stop him because that's not his job, he gets so angry with them, and scripture says the leprosy broke out in Uzziah's body from the head, and they pushed him out of the temple, scripture says all the days of his life, he lived in a house separate from the rest of Israel, though the God of Israel is the only one who heals lepers, he never turns and goes and asks for healing. That's what offense can do. And you have to be very, very careful about it. Very, very careful about it. So, when you, when you read the Bible, when you read the Bible, I, I said this, we're not studying history. We're not studying history. 
Though there is a lot of history in there. We are not studying history. The reason we study the Old Testament and the New Testament is because in the Old Testament, when God sent Moses to Israel, to Egypt, he said, go tell Pharaoh, Israel is my firstborn. Let him go. So Israel is God's first son, symbolically. And scripture says in the book of Hebrews, everyone God receives as a son, he disciplines. So when you study the history of Israel, you know how God deals with his children. You are not studying history. You are studying how God deals with his children. Why does he discipline his children? So that we may partake of his righteousness, his holiness, his God. The purpose behind discipline is that. And scripture says those who have been trained by it will produce a harvest and have peace. So that's why we study. That's why we are not studying historically stuff. Which is good. But we are studying to see how does God deal with his people. That's why the Bible doesn't talk about the history of any nation. Except the history of Israel. It doesn't talk about uh, China, India, Russia. None of these nations. India is only mentioned once in the book of Esther. It's not even. You may be the most populated place on planet earth. But it doesn't catch God's eye. Because God is dealing with his son. And God is dealing with his sons and his daughters. You learn from history of Israel, how God dealt with them. You learn what he's doing with us. That's how you learn and how you study. And also when you study the new covenant, please remember, if you read the four gospels, sometimes you think, is there any chronological order here? Because it is still not history of Jesus Christ. This is the order of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has breathed into scripture. So God is moving according to his spirit's order, not according to the chronos. So theologians will sit and pour thousands and thousands of years together, put the four gospels and try to find a timeline of Jesus. Why didn't God make it very simple? Because he said, I was not writing history. I was trying to teach you. I was just trying to teach you. This is a spiritual chronology, not history. Not history. Okay, so you, when you read, unless you get that in and seek the Spirit's help, Lord, teach me what you are trying to tell me, then you will realize it makes sense. It is all falling into place. So we heard after that in the same chapter about offenses, God begins about faith and duty. Increase our faith and it talks about duty, the servant and the master. And at the end of the day, you should say, I am unworthy, unworthy, I'm unworthy. The problem is when we do our duty fantastically well, we think we are worthy. That's another trap. That's what happened. I believe Lucifer was the, the best worship leader ever. But once he was so good, he thought, I am worthy. My throne should be a little higher. Same trap. It doesn't matter which field you work in. At the end of the day, come back home and say, Lord, I am unworthy. Did you hear the song which the children sang? I'm amazed by two wonders. The wonder of your love and the wonder of my unworthiness. Two wonders. That's such a God would love somebody who is so unworthy. The wonder of it. Unworthiness. That's how you grow in your faith. 
These are all secrets. That's why I said when you read in that chronology, it starts making sense. What is why is this chronology like this? You're talking about uh, uh, forgiveness and offense, and then you go to unworthiness, and then you go to ten leopards, and then you talk about the last days, and then you talk about perseverance. Never give up, pray always, and never give up. And then it's talking about will, when a son of man comes, will he have faith? Then you have the rich young ruler, and who will enter into the kingdom of God? And then you have going into, into Jericho, Zacchaeus, and then you will realize the Holy Spirit is teaching us how to increase your faith. That's the order. It is not a chronological order, it is the order of faith. And everywhere the object lesson is, how do you increase in faith? How do you increase in faith? But the first thing, you have the most important thing you have to remember are these two things. One, remember to not to carry offense. And second thing, always remember of your unworthiness. Always remember your unworthiness before God. Are we aware? Look at 1 Corinthians 15 verse 19, Apostle Paul. No, I am the least of the apostles who I'm not worthy to be called an apostle. You see where he begins? He looks at the company of apostles and he says, I am the least. The question to be asked is, if you are the least, why are you the one who is writing all the letters? And not the others. That's got nothing. God is using him most. In history, no man has been ever used by God like this man. But that doesn't make you worthy. That does not make you worthy. You have to be always conscious about your unworthiness. He says, I am the least of the apostles. Not even worthy to be called an apostle. Further down the line, as time progresses, look at him. Ephesians, first he put himself, evaluated himself in the company of, let us say, pastors. I look at all the pastors and say, I am the least of the pastors. Little further down the lane, have you grown in your faith? Next verse. To me who I am. Less than the least of all the. Now he says, I am the least in the congregation. Now this is growth. Not in the world. The world, this is not growth. This is retardation. <laughs> you are retar- going back. But this is going forward in the kingdom of God. You real- First you realized your unworthiness in the company of the apostles. Now you realize your unworthiness in the company of the saints. But that's not where he finishes. When you come to his final letters in 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 15, he says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of acceptance that Christ came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. He puts him in the entire spectrum of humanity and says, I am the least. This is a man who grew in faith and understood his unworthiness. So God revealed himself to him. That is what faith, the entire purpose of faith is that we know God. We know God. God wants to reveal himself to us. But God is teaching us through these lessons, how is that you can know me? I can reveal myself only to certain types of people. I love to reveal myself to all my children. But all my children are not same. And I'm trying to tell you, this is what you need to learn. 
Then we come to the next portion. We had stopped there and now we come to the next portion. A part of it, Pastor Viday preached last Sunday. I hope you remember. I do because I listened to it afterwards. Luke 17, let's go to today's text. Verse 11 onwards. Now it happened as we went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers who stood afar off. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourself to the priests. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God, fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way. Your faith has made you whole. That's the original KJV, whole. Let's go to verse 1, verse 11. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem. He passed through Samaria and Galilee. Young ones, listen carefully. There are two things important in life. One is focus. Second is purpose. Even when you are focused on something, don't forget the purpose. For this purpose, the Son of Man came, that he might destroy the works of the devil. For this purpose, I came to seek and save the lost. That is Luke 19 and verse 10. And after that, we'll go to verse 11. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was, that is purpose. Jesus' purpose. Mark 1.38, for this purpose, the Son of Man has come. Let us go into the next town that I may preach there also, because for this purpose, I have come forth. He has come to seek, to save the lost. He has come to teach us how to walk in your salvation. And third, 1 John 3, 8 and verse B, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. That's his purpose. Because it's so, so easy to get lost in the busyness of life. Because we are so focused that we miss the opportunities God lays us on this way. If you go to verse 11. It happened as he went to Jerusalem. Where is he going? What is he going to there for? The final Passover and to die. That's the focus. What is the focus? The Father has sent me for one primary purpose. I need to go to Jerusalem and die. But why am I dying? What am I dying for? To seek and to save the lost. I have a purpose. The focus is Jerusalem. 
But I have a purpose. As I am on the way to Jerusalem, he is passing through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And you have an incredible set of events that takes place. Because even when you are focused on God's call, you are not forgetting the purpose behind it. You should be focused on your studies as students. But don't forget the purpose is that you are a witness to draw men and women to Christ. You should be focused in your career and in your workplace. Never forget the purposes that there you are a witness to the living God. We are focused on going to another side, to the other side. But the purpose is God has asked us to go through Samaria and Galilee. So the unknown, the untouched will know about him. Purpose is to save, to teach and to destroy the yoke of the enemy. That's verse 11. That's where the narrative begins. Because sometimes we are so focused on our goals, we forget the purpose of God in our lives. Don't forget the purpose. He didn't forget his purpose. He knew. He knew. And if you turn to verse 12, and then as he entered a certain village, certain village, representative of any village, any town, any city, any village in the world, any city in the world, any town in the world. He entered a certain. Who were there? They met him ten lepers. Ten is God's number of judgment. Ten lepers. Represents all of us. Any town represents our towns and ten lepers represents all of us. And what the scripture says? They stood Far off. We don't realize the wages of sin is death. All have sinned. Not some or most. All. In that all, you and I are included. In that all, have sinned. and Come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Before a holy God, we are all leprous. All we can do is stand afar off and cry, Lord, have mercy. 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 There's only one thing we are worthy of. That is death. For the wages of sin is death. Eternal separation from God. Only one thing we are all equally worthy of. Under the law, Leprosy is a living death. You're cut away from the land of the living. Doesn't matter your own family, your community, your society, everybody. It was the most distinguishing disease in the Old Testament. It was all over you. It marked you out. Scripture says, there met him. Meaning, they had positioned themselves to meet him on the way. He knew he was passing by. They heard probably. And they have positioned themselves. Far off, but where they knew he could hear them. Have you positioned yourself where he will not miss your voice? 
Leprosy is when you lose your skin tone. I was telling in yesterday's church evening meeting, the translator was fantastic. Awesome. Oh, when the translator is really, really good, it's a ball. No. He's the fairest of 10,000. You know that, right? He's the lily of the valley. He's the most beautiful. He's all that. He's lovely to behold. So who's Jesus? He's the actual fair and lovely. You have him here, inside, and he grows. Your outside will be fair and lovely. You don't need cosmetics. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. He's the original fair and lovely. And the duplicate is sold in the market. And people spend money on the duplicate when the original is given free. Look at him. They positioned themselves and they stood far off. This is the law. This is what the law has done to all of us. In Leviticus 13 and verse 46, scripture says, He shall be unclean. And all the days he has the sore, he shall be unclean. He is unclean. He shall dwell alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. That's a judgment upon the leper. And we don't realize we are all where some still are. Lepers. Spiritual lepers. And sin has made us insensitive to the righteousness and the holiness of God. We are not able to feel his touch because sin has made us insensitive. I'm telling you the truth. That's what sin does. When David was so conscious of God and was walking with God and running from the king who was his enemy, when he cut the edge of the king's robe, he was so conscious stricken, saying that I have touched the anointed. Though he just cut a piece of his. But when he went down in sin with Bathsheba, he could get Uriah, send him drunk, get him killed, and he was not even touched. And when the report came back that Uriah is dead, he says, yeah, people die in war. Big deal. How did a man who was so sensitive to sin become so insensitive to murder? It's a trap. All of us can get caught. So please remember what the Bible tries to teach us. We all, that's why don't ever get familiar with God's word and his spirit. Keep. This is what we all were. Outside the camp, cut away from the land of the living, the spiritual, cut away from the living God. And all we could cry is, unclean, unclean, unclean. Ephesians 2.12, Paul through the Holy Spirit will tell us this. At that time you were without Christ. He's talking now to the Gentiles. Us. There's no Jew here. Gentiles. Us. What did he say? You were without Christ. Aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. Strangers from the covenants of promise. Having no hope and without God in this world. That's what we were. In the next verse, in verse 17, he says, He came and preached peace to you who were far off. Those who were near was the Jews. Those who were far off were us. And he came and what did he preach? 
to us lepers, peace. Can have peace with God. Can get back with God. We were all far off. We did not even realize we were unclean. We did not even cry to him, David, son of God, have mercy. But he came to us. We didn't go to him. These ten went to him. He came to us. And he preached what? You can have peace with God. To us. We need to understand this. What if everybody is born a leper? Imagine a country isolated from the rest of the world. Everyone in the colony, in the country, is a leper. And every child that is born is born as a leper. You will see leprosy is the norm. Not to have one eye. Not to miss half your nose. To have no digits on your hands. You will think that's the norm. Because that's what he's looking at. And then into that midst comes a man we call a normal. They look at him. His eyes, his face, his nose, his lips, his digits. Oh, this is the norm. And we are actually abnormal. Believers are called to be the norm. In him was life. That life was the testimony. That life was the light of men. When Jesus said, you shall be the light of the world, he says, when you decrease and I increase, the world around will start looking at you and realize, that is normal, this is abnormal. Then they will want Jesus. Then they will become sensitive to sin. Please remember, otherwise, we also join the leper colony. The abnormal has become the normal. That's why, remember Wednesday's message, no? Sunday's or Wednesday's message, Pastor Vijay is saying that incredible statement, if the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. When the Christian is supposed to be normal and he becomes abnormal, how great is that abnormality? Verse 13. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. All you and I could do was lift up our voices and cry, Lord, have But we will cry only if we are aware of our spiritual state. That's why I said the gospel is first bad news. Then good news. What is the bad news? All have sinned. All have been destined to death. All are sinned. All short of God's glory. Hell is prepared for you. That's the first news. Second news, you don't have to go there. One way. It is not how much God loves you, how great you are. He wants to prosper you in your workplace. He wants to give you first right. That is not the good news. The good news is everyone is a leper. Everyone is outcast. Everyone is destined for hell. And then you don't have to. You don't have to. God has another place. 
and God has made a way. And when you get into the way, you are cleansed of your leprosy and from an outcast, you become a child of God. A child of God. That's the good news. Don't change the gospel. But all we can, once we are aware, once we are aware, is to cry, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They lifted up their voices. They didn't whisper, Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on us. They lifted up and cried. That's how Jesus prayed. That's why he went and sought for places where there was nobody. Because scripture says with loud and vehement cries and with tears, he cried out unto him who could save him from death. He didn't whisper. He who came from the father's bosom did not whisper. He cried out. When was the last time you cried out? Verse 14 says, He saw them. Why did he see them? Why did he see them? Because they cried out. You know why he saw them? Because they cried out. They were standing far off. And he was passing. And they cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy. And he saw them. Will your cry and my cry turn God's attention to us? Will it turn? Or will he just pass us by? Will our cry turn God's attention to us? Jairus' cry stopped Jesus. The centurion's cry stopped Jesus. The Canaanite woman's cry moved Jesus. They all cried out. Bartimaeus cried, stopped Jesus. The two blind men who followed him into the house, they cried, sought a response from him. He saw them because he heard them. What does scripture say? He, he said to them, He said to them, good communication means both parties speak. They spoke, he spoke. When is the last time you heard from Jesus? You just pray, amen and get up and go. They cried, he spoke. That's communication. And like Airtel and Vodafone charges don't go up here to here. The government doesn't sell spectrum for this call. It's free. Once we speak in prayer, we must also open our ears to listen to the words of Jesus. Because that's where the solution. So many people have so much faith in their prayers. I have contented in prayer. I have cried out to God. God is going to answer me. Did he say anything to you? Your faith is in your faith, not in God. Your faith is in your prayers, not in the God who answers prayers. 
They cried. He, he spoke. If we are always talking, that also means we are not listening. Slow to? Quick to? See, it's incredible how the Bible begins. See, just understood. A lot of mysteries of the Bible without ever reading the Bible. They didn't understand the full effect of it, but they understood it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was void. Darkness covered the earth and the waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the water. If the Spirit of God is hovering, everything is still. Absolute pin drop silent. Not even a wave is rumbling. No wind, nothing. The Spirit of God has kept everything quiet. And out of that quietness comes the voice of God. Let there be light. Do you know what the Hindu mantra is? The self-existing God Brahman, not the other three Brahman. The first word he utters is out of silence. Om. And creation begins. That's where they got it from. That's why that's the most sacred symbol in Hinduism. Because out of silence, God speaks. If you are not silent, you will not hear him. If my prayer only entails me talking to God and there is no silence thereafter, how do I hear him? They cried. He spoke. And it is in what he spoke, their solution lay. You want a solution, right? All these are asking for a solution, right? Who gives solution? Me? Oh, he. You know, you could write it here and hear it at home, the answer. You could go back in the evening and open your Bible and suddenly the answer stares right into your eyes and you realize, I prayed in the morning at church and evening he answered me. Because he speaks. He speaks. Please remember this. Once he speaks, it changes everything. Because the voice and the word of God has never lost its power. Let there be light. It's still working. The universe is still expanding. It's not contracting. It's expanding because when he spoke, we don't know. That's the power of God's word. It changes everything. And that's why it is so important. It's not our prayer part which is important. But the listening part of prayer is the most important. You have to get your solution. Imagine you go to Dr. Richard, Dr. David, Dr. Beulah and give your entire problem, symptoms from head to toe you have given. And then you say, thank you and get up and go. He will take your money and says, thank you, you can go. Did you get a solution? No. Where does the solution come from? Not from you, from them. Solution comes from them. You only voiced your problem. Solution is in their hands. Where does solution lie? With Jesus. You remember the, do you remember this Roman, Roman centurion is an incredible man. It's an incredible picture put over there. Listen to what he says in Matthew 8 8. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. He looked at that. First thing he recognizes is unworthiness. Though he's an officer in the Roman army and Israel is under Rome. First thing he looks at Jesus and he realizes, you know what? I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. For you to come under my roof. Second thing he says, 
Just speak a word. Just speak the word. Just speak the word. I trust the power of your word. Just speak the word. And my servant will be healed. You just have to speak. You just have to speak. I'm waiting for your word. You just have to speak. Because the solution lies in what you say. And Jesus said, go. His servant is healed. He's healed. Where did the solution lie? In what Jesus would say. That's why we need to have hearing ears. Every time we pray, Lord, touch my ears that I hear. The solution to all our problems we face in life, our fears, our doubts, our anxiety, everything, the answer is God speaks. And when he speaks, that's done. Then it doesn't matter what you have, you are facing, you are addressed. And what did he say? Let's go back to verse 14. He said, he said, go. Have to listen carefully what he says. When he says, go, don't say, Lord, come. Listen very, very carefully. You have to look very carefully about different things God speaks. And you have to be very, very careful to see. Like It's like the traffic in Hyderabad. There is method in that madness. That's faith. You will never understand. You will never understand how people move from one end to another in Hyderabad. And sometimes when God tells you things, you never understand how this is going to work. What it works. And you have to be very careful and don't bring your reason over there. Hezekiah cries, Lord. He says, I say, humble yourself. Go back and add 15 years. Change what you said 5 minutes ago. Go change. 15 years. And he says, the Lord has added 15 years. And what? Make a poultice of? Figs. Figs. Oh, Lord, fix his expensive in Hyderabad. What about Apple? If he said fixed, it is fixed. You try anything higher or lower, it's not going to work. The problem is we try other fruits. Because we don't hear carefully and obey carefully. If you ask him, Lord, why fix? You don't ask these questions. You just do what he says. Go. The key, there is what we call the obedience of faith. Go and show. Why show to the priest? Because he didn't come to break the law. He came to uphold the law. And only in the, according to the law, only the priest can say you are clean and can go back to your family. It's given to the priest. So he says, go show. I can tell you go. But the community will not accept you. Because the community will listen to the priest. So go to the priest, show him, And he will look at your soul and says, okay, go. Go back to your family. Go back to your community. Go and show yourself to the priest. That's what he said. And scripture says, And so it was as they went. As they went. They were healed. See, the healing came because they obeyed. As they went. And you will see so almost every case of Jesus doing miracles you will see he says they obey and the miracle takes place. That's why it's so important to hear very, 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 very carefully. Very, very carefully. Because they believed. 
They didn't question his method. They didn't suggest any new way. They just believed and obeyed. You know what genuine faith is? It just takes God at his word and obeys. It just takes God at his word and obeys. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, scripture says, we walk by faith and not by And they were literally walking by faith and they were healed. You know, the walk of faith brings the power of God into your life and you're being constantly being healed and being cleansed. The very walk does it. Because by faith we have entered into that grace upon which we stand now. That's Romans 5.2. And faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen. You know what faith does? Faith brings grace in. And we are called to a walk of faith. A walk of faith. And as they went, they were healed. Why? They were walking by faith. And faith comes from hearing. Not reading. Hearing. Hearing. When you read, you have to hear. When you read, you have to hear. Hearing. And hearing from the word of God. And there they were going. The walk of faith. I'm telling you once again, there is healing. There is cleansing. There is power in that walk. If you and I walk by faith. And all the effects of sin. That is spiritual leprosy. Starts falling off as they are walking. Imagine ten lepers. All are lepers. But uh, what you call symptoms are different. Imagine one fellow, he has no digits. Imagine. Just imagine. Use your imagination. Put that thinking cap for a minute. Another guy has no eye. Another fellow has no ears. They're all walking. And as they're walking, one guy says, Oh! 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 My hands! What is it saying? As you walk by faith, your hands are being cleansed so you can ascend the hill and serve the Lord. Another fellow did not have eyes and as he is walking, his eyes are opening. What does it mean? When you and I walk by faith, he opens the eyes of our understanding and we have wisdom and revelation to understand what he has spoken. The other fellow who is walking, his ears are being whole because your ears are being cleansed and being made whole to hear what he is saying. As they walked, they were healed. As they walked. And this walk should bring healing into our lives. The walk of faith. That's how you know. That's how you know. Physically you may be getting weaker and weaker as each year passes by. Spiritually you know my senses are getting sharper and sharper and sharper and sharper. It is. It is. It is. I see what I didn't see last year. I see what I didn't. I see. I see. I know him better. I know him better. I know him better. Why? You're on that road. In that road there is healing. As they went, they were healed. They did not say, Lord, heal us and we will go show ourselves to the priest. You can't put conditions on God. Lord, give me my breakthrough, then promise I will keep coming regularly to church. Lord, solve my family issues and I promise you, I will be the first one in the first pew in church. Doesn't work with God like that. 
God says, go to church. Stick to that road. And you will be healed. Stay there. You will be healed. As they went, they were changed. That's how you know. That's how you know you are on the road of faith. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way. But in that way, who is there? I am the truth is there. And what does truth do? Truth sanctifies you. Truth. Father, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is the truth. As you're going in that way, you're encountering truth every day. You are loving the truth to walk in your lives. And you're realizing you're losing all the traces of leprosy in your life. You're being cleansed. What is doing it? It's the truth. And where did you find the truth? In the way he marked out for you. As they went, they were cleansed. Let's look at verse 15, 16. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God. Let's read 15 and 16 together. Can we put it together? One of them. How many were there? Simple math. Ten. And fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a? Ten of them were going. And all were getting healed. All got healed. One stopped. And he turned. Are you the one who stopped and turned? No, are you the one who continued? Thank you for the healing. Bye-bye. Which category do we fall? The one who turned? Or the ones who went? Which category do we fall? It's a serious question God asks. Why are they so excited to continue the other nine? It's a natural excitement. You why? Because the priest alone can declare that I am clean and I can go back to my wife, I can go back to my children, I can go back to the society. They are running. But one stopped. One stopped. And he started going back. Going back. Do you know of the multitudes in human history who got healed, only a few keep coming back? Only a few remain faithful till the end? Only a few regularly come back and fall at his feet? The nine took everything and gave back nothing. When the journey started... I believe nine Jews and one Samaritan. They ten were united by disease. United by? But when they got healed, they were separated by healing. You might be united in your poverty, but did you get separated when God prospered you? 
You might be in, united in your ignorance when you started your education. But when the blessings came and you realized you are going up, did it cause a separation to say that, you know what, I am not going with the crowd first there. I am returning back to the one who made me this. What did prosperity do to you? What did success do to you? What did healing do to you? Did it separate you? That's a question we need to ask. That's why it is written in the book of Revelation, the 24 elders will take their thrones and put it at his feet. That's how you ask these questions. And he was a Samaritan. Who's the Samaritan? Jesus asked an interesting question in the next two verses. Jesus answered and said, were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? Now listen carefully. Listen very carefully. When he told them, Lord have mercy, he told them only one thing. Go. He didn't say anything further. So the other nine were just doing what he told them. The other nine was just doing what he? But one did what he expected from him. Do you meet God's expectations? Do you and I meet God's expectations? That's why scripture says without faith it's impossible to please God. That's the difference between the letter of the law and the spirit of the law. Do you know that God has expectations? Do we meet our expectations? Do you think, do you realize why the Samaritan turned back? And the other nine did not. The answer is this. This foreigner. Who is he? This foreigner. The foreigner did not look at his leprosy making him unworthy. He knew he was unworthy even without his leprosy. The others thought we are worthy but sadly we are leprous. And therefore now we have been healed because we are worthy. Therefore they didn't come back. While the one who thought he was unworthy came back. Do you see how it plays out? The narrative plays out what God is trying to teach us. Do you know why we don't return? Because we are conscious about our worthiness. Not our unworthiness. The minute we are conscious about our worthiness, we become ungrateful. Which leads to the title of today's message. Nine people are going like this. One fellow turned and came back. Which leads to 
When you believe you are unworthy, you become ungrateful, which leads to stiff neck and lead feet. Now what are feet of lead? You hate to change your direction. Stiff necks, you hate to turn back and go to God. Stiff neck and lead feet. Avisava neck. Nine of the ten thought it was their right. Healing was their right. And it was God's duty to heal them. That's what we are taught now in many churches, right? It's your right. Claim it, name it, take it. I don't know where it fits with scripture. And if you don't get it, blame it. One came back. Please be in that one. I like verse 15. And one of them when he saw that he was healed, he returned. And he, with a, uh, only Pastor Vijay is that. <laughs> Leviticus 13.45 now the leper on whom the sore is, his clothes shall be torn, his head bare, he shall cover his mustache and cry. Why did he come back with a loud voice? Because all his life, he's been crying out with a loud voice, unclean, 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 unclean. Now he meets God as the most greatest point in his life. He comes back with the same loud voice and says, Lord, I just thank you. I just glorify you. The problem is something else. He didn't come quietly. He didn't come even with a normal voice. He came with his old loud voice. All his life with a loud voice, what was he proclaiming? What was he proclaiming? Unclean. You know that? Before we all got saved, and some of you may be still with loud voices crack unclean jokes and loudly laugh and loudly raise your voices when Kohli hits a six. And But when you come to God, you have no voice. You still have a loud voice. And everything that you do in the world with a loud voice is actually proclaiming, I am still unclean. But when we come to God, we have no voice. We all want to be very sophisticated before God. Even if we raise our hands, it's very daintily. Praise you, Lord. When we gossiped, we were so loud, the entire neighborhood heard. When we praised, we put to God to sleep. The God of Israel who neither sleeps nor slumbers. Where did our voice go? We gave a wave offering to Doni and Kohli. And we sat like this in church. Who is your God? 
man when he came back he was loved we didn't realize when we were shouting in the world i remember before i was saved oh boy i remember what my tongue was the first thing that week when i got saved is my friends looked at me and said what happened to you i said what happened they didn't know i was saved i said what happened i said your words have changed you used to use words which were not in the dictionary <laughs> and i didn't realize one of the first things god did was take it away take it away i'll give you two words because see if you if you really 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 want to get convicted read the bible and if you really really want to convicted read in certain books in the bible one is efficiency not the sitting part or the standing part the walking part efficiency talks about three stages sit with christ walk with god and stand before the devil the walking part is very scary we'll give you sleepless nights i'll give you two verses let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers you were unclean you have been sanctified now don't go proclaim your old uncleanness over and over again let no corrupt word proceed from your mouth next verse neither filthiness nor foolish talking or means dirty jokes that understand everybody understands right that's the one which will create the loudest laughter especially boys if you want to be considered the smart one in the company these are the jokes you have to crack so half the time on internet you are searching for these jokes what is it called course just i knew every course joke in the world before i was saved that's why i was very popular with my crowd everywhere this is you are the only guy who can joke in so many languages Cords, which are not fitting, but the giving of thanks. Verse eight. For you were once. Oh, you were not once in darkness. Please get the grammar right. You were not in darkness. You were darkness. I was darkness. You were darkness. We were not in darkness. We were darkness. now we are not in light we are light in the lord walk as the children of light that's what we were when we were in darkness loud jokes loud anger loud politics loud arguments loud voices without realizing in the spiritual realm before the unseen angels and demons we were proclaiming unclean 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 but this man when he came back he was as loud as before but now he was giving thanks praising god go back to that verse
And one of them, when he was healed, returned with a loud voice, glorified God. You have to understand this. When we were in the world, remember how diligent, how perseverant we were to achieve our objective. But when we turned to God, the perseverance went. The energy left. That's what it means. The way he was in the world, the same way he turned around. That was Saul of Tarsus. The way he was persecuting Christ, he turned around and he preached Christ with the same zeal. You see, when we are perceiving things in the world which we want, boy, what energy, what dedication, early in the morning till late in the night, when we perceive God, that energy is in there. With the same vehemence he had cried earlier in the world, he turned the same energy in praising God. Do we have it? We are not boasting. Pastor Vijay and I study more today than we ever did in the secular realm. More today, more hours today than we ever did when we were pursuing our PhDs. We spend time now. doesn't matter to you. It matters to him. We are not studying for you. We are studying to be approved of God. Same dedication. When you turn to God. Please young ones. Get these things correct. Because he is the only one who cleansed us. He is the only one who saved us. The question is, where did all that go? Paul puts it beautifully in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, putting this life as a ray. Everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable. Any goal you achieve in the world is temporary. Any goal you achieve in God's kingdom is eternal. What is this? Why don't people show that energy for eternal goals? Yeah, tomorrow is Monday. You know what happens on a Monday? Artist strike is going on. All the metros are full. Everybody is hanging on just to reach before time. Sunday, oh, my time. Face your zeal. You think God has no expectations? Where is our zeal? When his own disciples told him, don't go to Jerusalem and die. Scripture says he set his face like a flint towards Jerusalem because he was zealous for us. Not to live, to die. We are rushing in all transport to live. He rushed to die. Where is our zeal? Where is our zeal? David killed a bear. 
one day. David killed a lion one day. David killed Goliath one day. God gave him victory over nations to the east, to the west, to the north, to the south. You read Second Samuel chapter 8. In all four directions, God gave him victory and put all his enemies under his feet. But nowhere do you see in any of this victory, David jumping and dancing. You know when he danced? You know when he danced? And do you know how he danced? Read 2 Samuel 6.14. How he danced. David danced before the Lord. All this night. All this night. He didn't dance when the bear, he defeated the bear. He didn't dance when he defeated the lion. He didn't dance before Israel when he killed Goliath. He didn't dance when his armies defeated his enemies to all the four sides. He danced before the ark of the Lord with all his might. That's why God said, this is a man after my own heart. He meets my expectations of him. Oh, I believe, I pray a generation. I have great expectations with those red riding hoods here. Oh, they are growing up with their minds full with the word. And I believe a generation will rise, will dance with all their might before God one day. Because nine thought they deserved the healing. They took the mercy of God for granted. They took everything and gave nothing. They were so caught in self and not in God. One glorified God. The question is, do we give God glory or do we steal God's glory? That's what they said. Only one? To come and glorify God? One thanked God. Did the others think it was there? They were entitled to it? One fell down at his feet on his face. Isn't that what scripture writes? Yeah, verse 16. Yeah, keep. And fell down on his face at his feet. And the last time you were on your face before God. Not in public, I'm talking in private. Private falling matters more than public. Public you may be doing it to show others how spiritual you are. But private you cannot be fooling anybody. Fell on his face before God. Verse 19 is interesting. And he said to him, said to him, if you haven't fallen, how can you tell you arise? If you haven't fallen before him, how can you tell you arise? Do you know the power of the word arise in the Bible? The ship was almost capsized. It was full of water. Finally the disciples came and said, Lord, don't you care for us? We are about to perish. Scripture says he arose. And he rebuked the wind and spoke to the sea. Psalm 68 verse 2 says, Arise, O God, and your enemies will scatter before you. And those who hate you will flee before your mouth, your words. You read through the Bible and look at the what the word arise means. What it means, the power when God uses the word, arise. 
is nothing greater a child of God, a servant of God can hear from God when he's flat on his face. He says, God says, arise. When you arise from his presence, you have been endowed with the very power of God to arise and go the rest of your work. Arise. Arise, O Jacob. Your time in your father-in-law's house is over. Arise and go. Your destiny lies over there. He arose and he left. Twenty years he was a slave. But when the word came, arise, it changed his life. Arise. That's why I said we need to have hearing ears. Arise. Go thy way. Faith has made you clean, whole, healed. In Greek, two different words are used. Cleansing is one word. It's an outer cleansing. The word here used, you are healed, is the word zozo, which is also used for salvation. Nine were healed, one was saved. Nine were healed, one was saved. The priest can only declare you clean. He cannot declare you saved. Only Christ can. I can pray over you. I cannot heal you. I can try to cast out demons. I cannot cast them out. He does. I can cause you to pray a prayer of repentance. I cannot save you. Only he can. He's the one who said, Go. Been made whole. You know why he was made whole? Because he returned. Because he and gave God glory. Gave God thanks. If we keep returning to God, you know what happens if we keep returning to God? He will save us to the uttermost. Hebrews 7 and verse 25. Hebrews 7.25 Therefore he is also able to save to the whom? Who can he save? Those who come to him. Come to God through him. Since he, oh, he is forever living to make intercession for us. But we need to go to him. We need to keep going back to him over and over and over. I am not satisfied with my sanctification. I am not satisfied with my holiness. I am not satisfied with my back. Make me whole. Make me whole. Make me whole. Scripture says he can save us to the uttermost. Keep returning back. Keep going back. That's the way. That's the way. In returning. Isaiah 30 and verse 15 says, I didn't give you those verses, Sammy. I gave you? Yeah. Just be ready with the next because you're wasting time. For thus says the Lord God, Holy One of Israel, in returning. And I fell here. I returned to him. He put that away. I have rest. I moved away. I returned to him. I have rest. In returning and rest from rest to rest to rest to rest, you shall be saved. And it's in returning. It's in returning. 
He shows you something which you were never aware of. You return back to him and you have rest. And you thought, wow, I'm great. Thank you, Lord. And next day he shows you something which you never saw before. You come back to him and you have rest. In returning and rest, you shall be saved. And he returned, therefore you are saved. Every day, miracle. Never forget. You know what? We lose sight. Greatest miracle is that we have been cleansed. We have been cleansed. I like verse 719, 1719. It's interesting. He said, arise, go your way. What made you well? Your faith. Your faith. Your faith. You had the faith to come back, to glorify me, to thank me. Grace has now flowed into your life. You are saved. Your faith has made you well. God is not saying, my power has made you well, which is the truth. But he says, I have the power to heal everybody, but everybody is not getting healed. I have the power to save everybody, but I am not saving everybody. Why? Because you don't believe. Your faith has made you whole. So we have come back to faith. (laughs) So what is the faith that makes one whole? What's the faith that makes one whole? It is this faith that really sees you as you really are. A leper. A leper. Cleansed by God's grace. A sinner. Saved by grace. When? All your life. All your life. Once you see it yourself that way, you will never get out of that road of gratitude. Every day you have reason to thank God. Why Lord? I was a sinner destined for hell. You saved me. Doesn't matter what happens to me. I know where I am going. You don't need to do one more thing for me to say thank you. You don't have to. You don't have to do a thing. I don't need one more reason to come to church. Why? I am saved. I don't need one more reason to lift up my hands. Why? I am saved. I don't need one more reason to read the Bible. Why? I am saved. I don't need one more reason to get on my knees. Why? Because I am saved. I was a leper. I have been cleansed. The minute you start thinking you are worthy, these things start going out of your life. That's the danger of 21st century. What is that? Entitlement mentality. We think we are entitled to certain things from God. We are entitled to one thing from God that is called hell. Entitled. Wages of sin is death. And all have sinned. The faith that sees who we really were. The faith that cries out aloud. The faith that takes God at his word. The faith to go the way God pointed. Till here, all ten were the same. And then, one separated. One separation took place. One stopped and turned back. So once again, let me ask you the question. Are you the one who turns back? Keep returning. Back to worship. Back to your prayer closet. Back to the word. Back to church. 
over and over and over and over. It doesn't matter how many meetings are there, it doesn't bother you. Because you know it's eternally grateful and there is no way you can pay it back. Your salvation was free. Do we turn back? When we fall, do we get up and go back? Genesis 13 verse 1 and 3 and 4. Verse 1 and then 3 and 4. And Abraham went up from Egypt and his wife and all that he had and lot with him to the south. He had fallen badly in Egypt. He came out of Egypt and started traveling out. What does 3, 4 say? And he went on his journey. He didn't stop. He kept on moving, moving, moving as far as Bethel to the place where his tent had been in the beginning between Bethel and I to the place of the altar which he had made there at first. How far did he go back? He returned until back to the first altar he had met God and went to the altar and said, Lord, put me right, make me whole. I went and goofed up big time in Egypt. I goofed up big time. And he returned all the way back where he had met God first and God put him right. That's Abraham. We'll all make mistakes. We'll all sin. We'll all fall. But the question is, do we return back to where we met God first? Because that's the one returning that brings rest. He had a true sense of unworthiness. True sense of unworthiness. You know why God accepted Abel's offering? Because he killed a Why did he kill a lamb? Because he knew he was unworthy. He was unworthy. Because he knew he was unworthy. If he thought he was worthy, he would have brought a lamb. But when you think you are unworthy, you kill the lamb. Bringing a lamb and killing a lamb are two different things. He put his trust in the blood of Jesus because he knew he was unworthy. And not by his... He was a shepherd. The other was a farmer. The farmer brought his fruit. The shepherd could have brought his flock. So here, take the best lamb. This is the best I have. It's still your worthy. So take my best. But when he killed the lamb, he was saying, I am unworthy. There is no other way. I have to come your way. These are fundamental things. Some of you are depressed, some of you are discouraged, some of you know why? Because you think you are worthy. You are worthy. That's the reason. You think you are worthy. So something negative happens to you immediately, you are depressed because you, that shouldn't be happening to me. Why not? One of those great preachers I know, his wife went mad, his child died of a debilitating sickness, and somebody asked him, Pastor, how could this happen to you? He said, why not? Why not? That's what Job said. Why not? God gave. God took. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Why not? Be very careful how you look about issues. The problem is not of issue. The problem is how you address the issue. How you look at the issue can mess you up. Because this concept about worthiness will change everything. And God is blocked from our lives. There was a man who thought he was worthy. He was a leper. But the leprosy did not touch his soul. He was as proud as a peacock. 
Leprous all over. That is Naman coming. He thought Elisha would come and wave his hand and he would be healed. Elisha didn't even come out. He told his servant, go tell him. Dip seven times in Jordan and go. He got so offended. So leprosy hasn't broken you. It hasn't broken you. Your sin hasn't broken you. As long as your sin hasn't broken you, you cannot be delivered. Cannot be delivered. You have to be broken. It only touched his skin. It didn't touch his heart. Then the little servant girl said, Master, Master, please. No? So he listened to that girl. He went. Went down seven times. Came. And he saw. Interesting is, what the disease didn't do, the healing did. The healing broke him. It's interesting what the disease did not do, the healing did. The healing broke him and he realized, oh my gosh, this is what I was, this is what I am. Glory to the God of Israel. Now if you look at him going back, he's not going back the way he came. This man is going back, outwardly he looks the same, but inwardly he's not the same. What he came with and what is going back are two different things. He's got two mules going with saddlebags. And if you open the saddlebags, you would find something funny, it is full of mud. Full of earth. Because his request, Lord, can I take a little mud from Israel back to Syria? You know what? If you ever went to Syria, Damascus that year, that age of Naman, all over Damascus are all these altars before pagan gods and sacrifices being offered. But if you go to Naman's house, you will see a holy altar made with earth from Israel. And here is a man giving thanks and glory to the living God because he realized who I was and what he has made me. A sacred altar in Damascus. Because healing broke him. But disease couldn't do. Healing did. He didn't go back the way he came. And you and I are not supposed to go back from here the way we came. That's a question we need to ask. God says, let's be what we call in English, brutally honest. Can I get you to come two Sundays on a row on time? Return? It's a question he asks. Can I? Can I get you to pray on two days consecutively at the same time? Oh, the next problem has to come before you will pray. Can I get you to return back to the word of God for two days in a row? Can God trust you? Ask these questions. We don't have slack when we are when we come to the things of God. Why? It's my question. Because somewhere it is gotten. We are worthy. I was worthy to be saved. You see, I went to college. So God needed me. I didn't need him so much, but I think without me. What would he do? I added to his resume. Somehow these thoughts are there. 
Otherwise we would return every day. Cry out with a loud voice and give him thanks and give him glory. Why? You don't have to do one thing. I'm not thanking you for the new job. I'm not thanking you for 60 percent. I'm thanking you because I can never forget I was a leper, outcast from the commonwealth of God, without God. I am cleansed, a child of God and nothing can change it. Thank you Lord. Thank you. Thank you. You don't do anything for me anymore. I'm well with it. It's well with my soul. I will thank you all the days of my life. Because I know who I was. I know who I am. I came a leper. I am going back cleansed. And I have something which money cannot buy. What is that? Earth to build an altar in Damascus to worship the living God. From now, my life will be defined by worship. That's Naman. While Gehazi, who lived in the presence of Elisha, is running after Naman to get some money. You living in the presence of God never changed your heart. This man has been changed. You're still pursuing the world. He's pursuing God. Are we getting it? Encounter with God should change us. And it continually changes. As I come to the end. This is a story, real story. 1996. A pastor from the US, I think North Carolina. He was in an island called Tabango in Philippines. And he was leading worship. He and his team had come on missions. In this island called Tabango, in a leper colony. And they were having worship. Now the pastor, all lepers. And let me get my facts right. Because it's such a, even I was, I was shocked when I read it. <laughs> he had five more minutes left. So he said, anybody here, any special number you want me to sing? Any, any specific song you want to sing? Worship song. Then he said, a woman who had not been facing the pulpit, Turn towards the light. And when she turned towards the light, these are his words, I saw the most hideous face I had ever seen. Her nose and ears were entirely gone. And leprosy had eaten away her lips too. And she raised her hand. And when I looked at her hand, she had no digits. And then she opened her mouth And she said, Pastor, can we sing? Count your blessings. He couldn't sing. He simply couldn't sing. He stood there in shock. What's the song she picked? Count your blessings. He just got on the stage and walked out because he was overcome. So one of his team members walked with him and said, Pastor, you will never be able to sing that song again, right? He said, yes, I will be, but I will be never be able to sing it the same way again. No digits? No eyes? No nose? No lips? But saved. And what do you want to sing? Count your blessings. Do you know what's the greatest blessing? Your salvation. My salvation. And because of that, Truly we should be able to sing, I can sing. 
of your praises forever. Count your blessings. Count your blessings. I am saved. I wrote a list. Last minute list. I am saved. I'm a child of God. I'm going home one day. I have a father in heaven. He's preparing a place for me. In that place there is no sin, no sickness, no tear, no sorrow. And when I go, I have to take as many as I can with me. And all my life, everything that I have is a gift from him to freely give back. You see, the first day evening when we were at that church at Malak Bet, you know, that's cute. The worship leader. No, I mean, as I said, you have to keep your ears always open because you will never know how God will speak. He was speaking in Telugu. But I understood what he was saying. He was talking about thanking God, being grateful to God. He said, I did not realize a part of my life where I need to be grateful for. He said, I went to donate blood. And when I went to donate blood, I had to fill a form. And in the form is all, do you have this sickness? No. 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 Do you have this sickness? He said, as I'm looking at it, I was counting my blessings. I don't have these sicknesses. I don't have this. Do you know how perspective changes? Now, I don't buy newspapers. I read online because there's no ad there. And you can stick to the headlines. But last time when I was going on mission last month, I was uh, flying to Calcutta. And I picked up a newspaper from the, from the airplane, DC. I was just going through it. Then I looked at the obituary page where all the people who have died, right? Full. Then God said, take a closer look. I mean, you can hear. Okay, He speaks. Even when you read columns, he will tell you. Take a good look. And I looked. So many obituaries, pictures with that. Hindus, Christians. Hindus, my heart is broken. When will I? Heart is broken. When will I? We miss you. We'll always miss you. All that. True. Then I looked at the Christian ones. Every Christian obituary begins with the promise of the Bible. And I was thinking, you know what? An unbeliever, non-believer picks up the newspaper and if he reads obituary calling, every Christian death is a testimony of the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. In a newspaper. I said, wow. I've read it all my life. I never read it this way. Do you realize what it means? You need to be told in the next 45 minutes you will die. Then you will value salvation. You will not need Peter or anybody. Everybody will be standing. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Right? It's like the pastor who said, wife was fighting with him the whole day because he didn't, she didn't get the sari she wanted. Next day she was quiet. I said, what happened between yesterday and today? And he asked her, what happened? She said, yesterday when I was going shopping, I passed the coffin shop and I saw open coffin. And the Lord told me, that is your end. I want, didn't want any more sari. <laughs> oh, 
all the husbands will be thinking, we need to put a few coffins around. <laughs> really, really, I'm telling you, you need to live in the light. Look, I, I don't dye my hair, okay? Every time I look in the mirror, I look at this and say, you know what it says? The day is coming closer, closer, closer. It's coming closer. What day? Death. Should we excite you? You're going home. Not like Hezekiah, please. Foolish fellow. God says, come home. He doesn't want to go. Look at life differently. Absolutely differently. Look at life differently. Otherwise, we force focus. We miss purpose. Miss purpose. Because our faith has to increase. And faith's eye is always upon the other side. It's not on this side. It is on the other side. Faith sees those things. And on the way, you use faith to use all the things you need to fulfill God's purpose in your life. You use faith now to fulfill His purpose, but faith's eyes are fixed on the other shore. A person, a place, and your thoughts are on that place. Increase our faith was their prayer. Amen? Shall we stand? Let's sing that song. You know the last song we sang? I I love that song.
Thursday, a whole nation celebrates Thanksgiving. But we today come to you with our Thanksgiving, Lord. We were once lepers, separated from the commonwealth of Israel, shut out from the kingdom of God. We were darkness and we were without God. But for you, but for you, they have been lost forever. You didn't just cleanse us with your word. You didn't just forgive us with your words. You went up onto the cross. Went through that agony. Went through that pain. Became sin for us and then died. To purchase our freedom. To purchase our cleansing. To adopt us as the sons and daughters of the living God. And we complain about little things. I pray Father today. This final week of November. We will go back different. Hearts full of thanksgiving. We'll give glory to God always. We'll not be part of that nine. We want to be that one that returned. And with a loud voice, gave glory to God. Fell on his face at his feet and gave thanks. We want to be that one. Every day. Every day, Lord come back to you. At your feet. Our face at your feet. Thank you. We can never pay this back. Never. Now all of eternity, whatever we do, the most righteous, holy life we live can never pay back what you did. All we can do is give you thanks and give you glory. Today all that we want to do is just thank you and thank you and thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Everything is an added benefit and a blessing. 
everything the greatest which we have received freely is the salvation which we bear that we who were once darkness has become the light in god through christ we who were outcasts one day has become the body of his son we just thank you lord we just thank you thank you thank you father as we go through this week i pray lord we will never forget we will never forget what you have done and what you are still doing Because you have promised if we keep returning to you, you will save us to the uttermost. And I pray every one of us will take that to heart and keep coming back to you. Because we are not satisfied with our salvation. We want to be saved to the uttermost. That there is nothing of us is left one day. And it is all yours. That's our offering to you, Lord. All of God. Nothing of us. Thank you, thank you, Father. So children go into a week pray that you would bless us strengthen us and keep us close to you meet us at all our points of need lord because you are our father and knowing father believing the blood the spirit and the word has sanctified us we lift up holy hands in your sanctuary and we bless your holy name we bless your holy name we bless your holy name and we proclaim in your house thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever oh god you alone deserve all the glory and all the praise thank you thank you father thank you lord we give you glory honor power and praise once again and in jesus name we pray amen with the grace of our lord jesus christ the love of the father and the fellowship of the holy spirit rest and abide with each one of us amen amen